0: Good morning, it is 7.16am on June the 22nd and it is currently 11.9 degrees, it is midwinter day, (sighs) still pretty much dark out there. There are a few brave souls walking their dogs. It stopped raining at some point during the night. So I've decided what I'm gonna to do today is to try to track this book length poem that was published in 1982 called Me to Today. It was written by a lady called Bernadette Mayer, And she wrote it on December the 22nd, 1978, in a town called Lenox, Massachusetts. That's her contention is that she wrote it all in one day. She says she wrote it from notes, tapes, photographs, and memory. And the thing about this book is that when you hear that, you think, well, how can you write a book in one day? I'm going to attempt to answer that question throughout the day and sort of track the same pattern that Maya takes throughout her day. Although my day is going to look quite a bit different from hers. Excuse the sound of my cat drinking next to me there. My day's going to look quite a bit different as um, I am not in a little town in Massachusetts. I'm in Melbourne, Australia. It's not 1978, it's 2022. And instead of writing a book-length poem and looking after two children, I am going to work. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a bunch of Zoom meetings and phone calls and hopefully something slightly more interesting in between all that. Because otherwise this episode is going to be deadly boring, which is my fear. So the book, which is published, was published by New Directions. It's divided into five sections and the first section is just pages and pages and pages of Maya talking about her dreams. I started reading this and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I thought this book was going to be like. Stately, you came to town in my opening dream. Lately, you've been showing up a lot. I saw clearly you were staying in the mirror with me. You walk in, the hills are green, I keep you warm. Placed in this cold country in a town of mountains. I first came across her 10 years ago, we, we studied her and this idea of this book, Midwinter Day, lodged in my mind. I always wanted to read it, but it was only a couple of weeks ago that I actually sat down and did it. And um, yeah, this first 25 pages, I could barely get through it. I was just like, oh no, this <laughs> is not good at all. I dream. I vault the fence. There's a cheerleader who needs to be kissed and caressed. It's like a blizzard. Like my father, I lost my colour wheel when I died. I go vaulting over the consequent fence and with my ambition, I meet Gregory Peck. I always do. He looks like you. We go to the movies again. We go to two. We always do. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm one of those people that kind of believes that you probably shouldn't talk about your dreams because it's just about the most boring thing you could bring up. Um, but I'm trying to to track the book, and so in the interest of sticking close to it, I guess I'll say that yeah, last night I dreamt about um, dreamt about my mum, who I really need to call, and I dreamt about cat food, which I really need to buy. This is this is the state of things. Um, I'm happy to say that I didn't wake up feeling terrified, which I have. The last couple of nights I've had really weird, disturbing dreams that have really upset me. But last night's dream was, like, good. Mum was happy, managed to buy a bunch of cat food. Um, some other weird shit happened that I won't go into. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel OK about about that dream. Before we had children, we used to work all night, eyes open, then sleep for the day, eyes closed to people's mornings. It's been ten years since I did the Modern and Contemporary American Poetry course. And the convener, Al Phil Reese, was pretty good about, you know, when we got to the New York School, not just looking at the guys. We talked a bit about Midwinter Day just as an idea. We didn't read any of it. Mostly we talked about the writing experiments. Construct a poem as if the words were three-dimensional objects to be handled in space. Print them on large cards or bricks if necessary. Write as you think, as close as you can come to this. That is, put pen to paper and don't stop. Experiment writing fast and writing slow. Attempt tape recorder work. That is, recording without a text, perhaps at specific times. But yeah, I almost wonder whether she has a bigger reputation, whether she's better known in Australia than she is in America because she's lumped in with the New York school and even in that group kind of an also ran, Um, but she didn't live in New York for a huge amount of time. She got the hell out of there. I listened to Rachel Zucker's commonplace interview with her, um, which I think was also recorded in 2016. It's a really good, really good interview. Um, Rachel just basically stays quiet and Bernadette just gossips for 90 minutes. And yeah, she talks about how she, she had to get the hell out of New York cause the phone wouldn't stop ringing. She couldn't get any work done. But in this first section, when she's talking about her dreams, she does mention Ted and Alice quite a bit. In fact, they're, they're They come back a few times in the book, Ted and Alice being Ted Berrigan and Alice Notley, who are very much New York school poets. So she was friends with them, but she was at a bit of a remove. And I think it's probably safer to call her an experimentalist. And this book might be her biggest swing At Ted and Alice's house, it's like love. I was mad. I was jealous. It was like love. It must be that dreaming has its effect on dreams. Lying on a bed in the dream, Ted is on the phone, like Thomas Edison. Tom, Ed, or even John Thomas or the anonymous electrician. That he is, he said. And Alice said, it's silly to be dead or jealous either, but I feel mute, dumb, and mad. And thus alive to those two women, or are they men who are giving you a blowjob or at least repairing you, which has to do with something Alice said? Okay, so it's eight thirty, I should almost definitely have been at work already. <laughs> this second part of the book is definitely the shortest. It's only 10 odd pages long I think and this is the part, I mean it makes sense that it's short because this is where she's, she's got to feed the kids, getting them breakfast, getting them ready for the day. I don't really know how she's taking notes or recording. She said that she had a little tape recorder in a cupboard that she would sort of duck off and talk to. So, again, I, it's hard not to get hung up on how she did it rather than the, think about the content of the poem. Sophia likes a cup of coffee to be in the picture too. She will climb the old trunk to the cold window without you in the room and then fall off while Marie is pretending to be me. You are wondering what it is you're doing. I pick her up. You are pouring oatmeal into the measuring cup. There's a chipmunk singing in time to his tail with the honey locust tree, where the cat was treed and a black bear in Windsor ran into the car of a man going west on Route 9. Anyway, welcome to the office. I... What do I have to do? First thing I have to do is post Lucy. That's the most important thing. Um, If everything could happen at once, even as merely as only two babies crying and requiring everything but nothing at one time, the desire to control something as small as any destiny begins to seem like just will. All staff meeting in 39 minutes. Meeting about ethics documentation after that team meeting at two o'clock, one-on-one with my boss at three o'clock. And in the meantime, I have, have to send Alex an updated version of the implementation plan, have to uh, resolve comments on the ethics documentation, and have to, um, complete my uh updated OHS safety training I'm definitely not going to do all that the trees lose their leaves so you can see through them a man and a dog in a yard a person who doesn't have friends must explain himself to strangers sometimes your mother does on the phone which religion is that doesn't deny the lost self old morning prayers said in the cold church dear mother your mother. Yep, I've got it written down. Okay. <laughs> okay, mom. Love to you, too. Bye. This is where Maya is doing her errands for the day. She goes to the post office, she goes to the library. She goes to the grocery store, health food store, um, taking the kids. Wisdom's grey sky remembers snow is white crystals, hall mirror, misaligned and broken strollers, sex and going out, what there is of snow icing, the path ploughed over the ground. The thing that really strikes me about this section is she's just so matter of fact. She just lists what happens. She doesn't sound like she's really feeling anything, um, good, bad, or indifferent. She's not, she's not frustrated. She's not happy. It's really weird for a book that is so personal and so completest and includes so much. At the end of it, you, you almost feel like you barely know her. But even as I say that, I'm thinking, well, how much more do you want? (laughs) God, how much more do you want to know? Nearby, there are the former homes of Edith Wharton, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Herman Melville, William Cullen Bryant, and Edith Wharton's mother-in-law, the birthplace of W.E.B. Du Bois, and places Oliver Wendell Holmes frequented. Hawthorne said, I detest it. I hate Berkshire with all my whole soul and would joyfully see its mountains laid flat. One knows not for 10 minutes whether he is too cold or too hot. In a webinar she was doing for, um, for the Modpo crew, she was asked whether you need to know the traditional forms before you start writing uh, in experimental ways. And she just said, no, absolutely not. Why would you want to write that 19th century bullshit, (laughs) just have fun. Charles Lennox was the third Duke of Richmond, great-grandson of King Charles II. Now the town's rich people live on Yeoken Avenue near the private country club. I work at a research hospital and uh, the head of the organization was updating us all. He was trying to kind of, you know, jolly everybody along because we keep going back into the office and then inevitably someone has COVID and then we all have to take a week off. It's <laughs> like I was meant to be in the office today but the guy working next to me had COVID last Tuesday so I'm here. <laughs> um, but yeah he was framing it all he was saying you "No, know, it's the winter solstice today. And so it's a good moment for reflecting and making a clean start. It's just so unfortunate the way that organizations have to keep framing and reframing and reframing this stuff to try to make us feel like what's going on is reasonable. <laughs> but it, you know, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm fairly against work. Coming up on Russell Station, realising I've taken a really weird way to get to the post office, <laughs> that I definitely wouldn't usually go. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, spoke, I spoke to Ainsley. Um, I'll just text her and get it. It's quiet. There's the air in the important post office. We open box 718, which is a drawer, like the morgue. Thanks for that. Thank you. No letters, checks or invitations change the world. What did we get in our hall from the post office? Bunch of letters from the bank. Other bank. More bank. I think this is Tom's birthday present. Oh my god, it is. Holy shit. Amazing. And what is this? What is this? <laughs> it's the Sleeve Ricketts t shirt. That was so fast. I literally only ordered this like a week ago. It's really cute. I do, but sometimes it's, I don't know, sometimes it's better to try to do six things at once, I think. <laughs> um, that letter looks great one little thing on that Um, you said we're planning a few induction sessions do you want to specify how many okay (laughs) do they have to go to both okay that's fine there's a sign on the door that from the first of the year library hours will be curtailed due to fuel prices I feel the library should be colder and open longer hours, but I would rather see the downfall of the Shah. Everybody's autobiography is in this library. There's Noah's Ark. I go down the narrow Victorian hall to find Alone and Alive. Two ladies talk of Bible classes. The man who tends the yard goes out by the locked gate. The loud noon siren sounds from the town hall. The library clock chimes 12 times. We borrow Peep's Diaries, and Drinkwater's book on Peeps, Bit Between My Teeth by Edmund Wilson, Alone, The Little Lamb, and Curious George. Tantara! It's a sound echoic of the trumpet's blast. Marie Maria Callas is having a tantrum in the library. She won't surrender her books. She won't put on her coat. It's a violent, willful outburst of rage and annoyance, like not having a room of one's own or the love of another. It's a fit of bad temper caused by the extremes of temperature. Nothing is mixed properly in her. She is excessive, rude, full of drama, intense fits of pitched proportion, freaking out. She is hard and soft at once, hot and suddenly cool, mad. She needs water. She needs kneading. She is not at all proportionate to the energy expended. How resilient is she? really starting to feel how bizarre this exercise is and how much I want to control (laughs) what's going on which essentially today is like nothing very little is happening today today might as well be uh, another day in lockdown essentially I did just get to go to the library that was good Uh, I got the annotated Mrs. Dalloway and I got Kathy Acker's last interview should be good but yeah I really oh I just want something to happen it is a beautiful day though the park looks absolutely stunning but yeah Maya doesn't care nothing really happens on her midwinter day she just she just writes it down the biggest thing that happens is probably what happens at the library the the tantrum that Marie throws that's kind of the the only real moment of action in in the whole book but yeah she she doesn't go out looking for things to do, she does what she normally does, and then she goes home. Hello, sweetie. I guess it's not its not true that the last couple of hours nothing happened. It's just that what happened was so intensely boring <laughs> and not stuff I could really record. Sat in the team meeting and uh, maybe looked like I was paying attention, but really I was talking to someone about how great it would be if there were Walt Whitman gifts and um, how important it is to just have mild opinions, mild takes. Not to have a strong love-hate reaction to everything in poetry. I think that was the, I think that's where we landed. I thought that was, that was very good. (laughs) It's a very good conclusion for a midwinter day. And then I had a meeting with my boss that I managed to keep to 10 minutes and then I decided that work was over for the day. So now I'm here patting my cat and there's nobody else home and we can do whatever we want. Getting Marie to climb the stairs is like the time I tried to drive to Nova Scotia in one stretch and the wheels kept flying off the car and we'd stop every hundred miles or so to have them soldered back on. It wasn't that the wheels flew off exactly, but we kept getting flat tyres and we took the wrench and tried to unscrew the bolts, the whole thing, like a pin that kept the tyre on, would snap off. By the time we might have been almost in time to make the ferry from Portland, we were so tired we had to lie down on the grass and some rest stop under the horrible sun, and later we got seasick and couldn't sleep on the boat, though we'd paid to get a cabin to rest in. In Halifax they sell miniature meat sandwiches in the butcher shops. Marie says her boots are too heavy for her to drag her feet up the stairs, but if she has something to carry like her sheet or a branch or a toy, you can offer to carry it for her and then she'll walk up. Or like today, one of us has to make two trips because of Sophia and the groceries. I mean, I say do whatever we want, but there's always laundry. There's always, always there is laundry. and not stop editing myself. I think of something to say, and then I think, that's, that's not interesting. And in that, um, in that interview on Commonplace, Mayer and Rachel Zucker are laughing about the idea that it should be a poet's job to decide what's interesting and what makes a good poem. They think that this is hilarious that poets should worry about that. I mean, it's a, it's a gutsy move to, to decide that that's not, that's not what you're gonna worry about. You're just going to write it down. Just gonna write down what happens. And now I'm gonna hang out the laundry. Marie's painting with tempera colors. Raphael once told me he thought Diane de Prima's work was difficult and somewhat crazy until he read mine though he's sympathetic and sees our writing as a symptom of what he thinks of as the crazy times. William Shearer surely wouldn't like my work. He says Gertrude Stein was a megalomaniac and the ugliest woman he ever saw, and that her writing is just silly. I wonder what he'd have thought of Margaret Fuller solely. Barry told Clark I shouldn't write about Lennox and he didn't like Lennox. Someone else said I was no longer a true experimentalist. Alex once said my writing was rude and Les thought my photographs in memory were too pretty. Marie's paintings are bright and done quickly. 4.52. It's getting dark out. Footy training's just finishing up by the looks of things. The dogs are returning for their evening outings and the city is looking extremely pretty. It's getting dark out. What's this desire? Sophia's awake. She slept late. She's not calm. She sounds hungry. Marie, having slept lightly, awakens. She cries. Sophia points to a banana. Marie's thirsty. The sun begins to set. For a moment, the room is pink. Soon the snow will be blue. At this point in her day, Maya is dealing with what my mum calls the witching hour, when... The kids are, um, they have their naps and then she she needs to feed them again and then get them properly to bed after that. She's doing a lot of work at this point in the day and there's something, um, the cat's decided to sit on the recorder. Excuse you. Yeah, there's something here about Legitimacy and privacy because I'm not doing any of that. And Tom is still at work, and um, he will not be home for another couple of hours at least. And I can kind of just, um, you know, I can just do whatever I want. What I tend to do is, is housework and get dinner ready and um, continue working. <laughs> Uh, because apparently I can't stop working but um yeah there are there are no little people for me to look after here and you know I was thinking about like the guts that it would have taken Maya to write this book in 1978 about mothering and about the basic stuff that she's doing the daily stuff that she's doing it's not basic but it's daily um and the guts to follow through with it. You know, there's been multiple times today when I've been like, this is a really stupid idea. I should stop. Um, but she, she didn't. She wrote, she recorded everything for the whole midwinter day. And she, you know, when you read it, you definitely get a sense that she didn't edit heavily at all. Uh, that's not meant to sound like a backhand compliment. That's, um, that's, that's a fact. I think she'd agree with that you know that follow through would have taken like i said quite a bit of guts how did she get the courage to decide that her project was legitimate legitimacy as a poet you know and there there are days um like today when when things are just pretty basic and boring and i I don't think about this very much but it comes up every now and again where I just kind of think, what am I doing? Um, and I think everybody thinks that. I don't think that having children would make a massive difference there. Maybe it would. Parents, please um, enlighten me on this one. But yeah, I occasionally just sort of look at my life and go, that's that's a bit ridiculous. Um, what the hell's happening there? <laughs> and And privacy as well, like, Maya is so exposed in this book. The dreams are so momentary. Two weeks from now, the whole story would be different. But I can't say it would be a different story. I want to get high. Marie says she has both a penis and a vagina. She puts a ruler between her legs. She says this ruler is a hunt and it goes clap. It's summer and I'm hunting again. When I kiss her goodnight, she says, that was a hit kiss. She's, she's laying it all out there. You know, she's, she's not editing, she's recording as much as she can, she's keeping as much as she can in. I imagine that, I mean, there must've been a moment when she thought, what will Ted Berrigan think about this? What will all these, these poetry, uh, New York school poetry boys, um, what are they gonna think? She said in the interview with Rachel that essentially uh, she thought that they basically saw her as, in her words, something to fuck. Um, I, they can take her very seriously. So, yeah, but she she still laid it all out there. Um, yeah, and this this feels very exposing because look, it's not like an Instagram post, right? Like nothing really happened today. It's getting dark now. I have a few more phone calls and another Zoom meeting, and then I'm probably going to go to bed. <laughs> that's, that's going to be my day. I'm fine with that. But I wonder if it's... I mean, this is the difference between being an experimental or, or conceptual poet. Um, maybe Maya here in this instance is being more conceptual than experimental. This is the difference between a book-length poem and what I'm doing here, a podcast. I am creating content, aren't I? So uh, it better be bloody entertaining. I have to go to the cold grocery store. It's an icy night. The nicest man in town says, have a nice weekend. At the package store, young Mr. Wheeler is talking to a woman who says, I'm past the childbearing age. Then she says, just like my washing machine. She looks young to me and not like a machine. All right, quarter to nine or thereabouts. Beautiful starry night. It's lovely out here. At this point Mayor's kids are very much in bed and after a while she hits this she hits this stride, she starts doing this listing. If only we could all get some sleep, like Chaucer, or a Latin Sabine or Etruscan mother who didn't have the time, chance, education or notion to write some poetry, so I could know what she thought about things. There are some who did anyway. There's Anne Bradstreet, and Soon G, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Alice Notley, and me. Adrian Rich, Sylvia Plath, and Sexton, Eleanor Wiley, Louise Bogan, Denise Levertov. There's Barbara Guest, H.D., and Harriet Beecher Stowe, Maureen Owen, Nikki Giovanni, Diana Prima, Murasaki Shibuku, Fanny Howe, and Susan Howe, Maria Rockhizer, Mina Loy, Laureen Nidica, Gwendolyn Brooks, Marina Tsvetieva, and Anna Akhmatova. There's Rebecca Wright and the saints. When she spoke to Rachel about writing the book she said it was it was like tracing and I think part of that was she had done a whole bunch of preparation before she sat down to write it. She had gone to the bookstore and she'd made a list of all the best sellers which she includes in the book. She'd, she'd put a, a whole bunch of typewriters around the house and notepads. She had her tape recorder in the cupboard to go to, to talk to. Uh, Obviously, Lewis knew what she was going to do that day. Um, But yeah, I don't know, like getting to the end of doing a day's worth of recording, I'm completely wasted. Like, I'm so tired. The thing that I think I've realized through doing this is even if she was just collecting the materials or even if she had all the materials collected and she was just writing for a day, Either way, it's exhausting. Like I don't know how she had the stamina. At least two hours ago, I was just like, I can't. That that's it. I'm out. I don't want to. I don't want to record anymore. I don't want to talk about this book anymore. Um, yeah, I have a whole new level of understanding of what it is to try and do one thing for a whole day. I've really noticed everything. Much more throughout the day, I've also been extremely frustrated because I had expectations about what I was going to be able to record and all the insightful things I was going to be able to say, and I didn't capture what I wanted, and I didn't, I didn't have the thoughts that I planned to have, weirdly. It's been a really good exercise in realising how little one can control in the course of a day. There are some things we cannot say. No, I can't say that the awful presence of the obvious. Abdicated time never relents in its demand to speak all at once, because but for that, there's the chance the rest of what's begun to be lost might be lost. I think it matters a lot less whether this book was written in a single day, though. And it matters a lot more that it was written and published at all, especially at the time that it was. There's so much mundanity, there's so much dailiness in many ways it's a very it's a very feminine book i guess what i mean by that is it includes a lot of things that are not typically seen as valid or interesting through a, a masculine gaze so the fact that it exists means that we get a whole new frame of reference for what a poem could be for what a book could be for what poetic subjects could be, and, you know, Rachel Zucker on Commonplace, she's very much a, um, a student of Mayer's and her whole thing about the poetics of motherhood, um, you know, I'm not a mother but I'm glad that that exists and that is space that has been carved out. So at the end of the book, Lewis goes out for cigarettes. He comes back, she talks a little about current events, she talks about what might happen with the Shah of Iran, and then she finishes, from dreams I made sentences, then what I've seen today, then past the past of afternoons of stories like memory, to seeing as a plain introduction to modes of love and reason then to the end, I guess, with love, a method to this winter season. Now I've said this, love, it's all I can remember, of midwinter day, the 22nd of December. Welcome sun, at last with thy soft delight, that takes the bite from winter weather, and weaves the random cloth of life together, and drives away the long black night.